0: The Coaches Network, bringing the game together.
1: People may forget what you said, they may forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel.
0: The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a performance coach, content creator, and founder of The Coaches Network, and today's episode is going to be part of our how-to series, where we discuss a range of topics, and with the help of our guests, break down some actionable how-to steps to help you reach your full potential. Enjoy. Right guys, welcome back to another episode of The Coaches Network. Today's the latest edition of our How To series and I've got two very special guests with me today. I've got David and Keith Mayer, father and son duo and authors of the number one bestseller on Amazon, Gold Dust. How are you guys this evening?
2: We're great, yes. Yeah, great. It's wonderful to be here and thank you for inviting us on on your show. First of all, I just want to get a bit
0: of info you know a bit of backdrop in terms of where you guys started your coaching journeys. Maybe you can go first, Keith, because you know have had a bit of a longer experience and we'll lead on to David in a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, considerably uh, longer. I started coaching, yes, in 1981. And I was over in the States. And uh, I was just with a, a football team that I'd gone across there. I guess I was a, a chaperone, but played in some games. And then an opportunity came along where I can actually get involved with it, doing a little bit of coaching, of which I did. I quite liked it. And... Uh, I was still playing but the roots of all the fundamentals of what I picked up from their experience were quite significant for me I think that grandeur of being a, a Brian Clough type was you know Brian Clough was in his in his pomp at that point so I, I started coaching in 1981 and then uh, in 1984 did my my what was classed back then the the full badge which is now the UEFA air license, failed it in eighty four but passed in eighty five, and uh, as a, as a as a consequence to all of that it's created lots of opportunities for me to travel. I've travelled uh, to to many countries, to China, did the pro license in South Korea. Uh, in 2017 with a, a good friend of mine called Dick Baird. I'm sure we'll bring back uh, his name and come up again in the, in the conversation. And then I've been over to the States many, many times. Uh, lots and lots of travel, lots of opportunities for me to coach in uh, in varying platforms. Coached at Leeds United when they had Centre of Excellence. <laughs> Coached at Nottingham Forest uh, when did, when there was a transformation from centre of excellence to academy, and got offered a got offered a, an assistant academy director's role, uh, taking the the 14 to 16s ages. I, I didn't take it. It was the money wasn't very good, and there was lots of trouble, which I did anyway. And so, from that, I continued to work at Forest for. Uh, eight and a half years, so the likes of Jermaine Jenis, Michael Dawson, are players that came on, they, they played for me. I played a very small part in their development. And then got into coach education. I became a, a what was, what is now an affiliate tutor, but I was a, a coach educator. Uh, back in 1987, I believe, I've been coaching uh, or coach developing And then most recently, well, so most recently, I'm coming now into my sixth season of of working at Leeds United, uh, sorry, Leeds United, Liverpool Academy, uh, where I work as a a part-time member of staff, and uh, I've spent many, many times developing, still develop around some excellent and wonderful people who have got vast and varied experiences, uh, along with my own experiences. There's a there's a little little chemistry where where I currently live.
0: David, you know i want to bring you into this, and hopefully we're going to blend both your journeys in, into one eventually. But um, how about for yourself, Dave? Where did that journey start? Obviously, you know your dad's had a long um, standing in the game, um, certainly mm-hmm. from a coaching perspective. But what kind of influence that had on you, and you might want to talk about where that journey started and where that you I guess that light bulb moment was actually maybe I want to I want to follow in my dad's footsteps a little bit here.
1: yeah it, it's funny you mentioned that Yaz um, I guess now looking back at at the time I wasn't aware of it uh, my dad's mentioned the the places that he worked and I was only very young when he was at Leeds so even though I, w- I would go I don't really remember I don't really remember it um, but when he was at Nottingham Forest. I was in the in the academy system, so I'm an ex-player. I retired young, through injury, and and went into coaching. But while I was playing as a kid, I was in the academy system. But when I wasn't training or playing, I would be driving down to Nottingham with my dad, and it it was for no other reason than than so we could spend time together. Uh, we just we'd go down. It was a two-hour drive. We'd spend time, and I, I loved it. I loved going there and and looking back on it. That was a really, really big learning thing for me because I think you do have to go out and and experience and and do it yourself. You have to have your time on the grass, but I also think there's a huge learning that can take place by watching people that are excellent at what they do. Mm. And I spent, from as young as really I can remember, I was around people that were excellent at what they do. Um, My dad included in that. My dad's the, the biggest... Influence on my life, but also other people that are are doing extremely well in the game and are, in terms of development coaches, there'd be some of the best around. So I'm spending time just watching them and speaking to them, and, and really probably not speaking about anything um, that was that was vastly related to coaching. But I would watch them mm. and see how they interact with people, see how they interact with players, see how they interact with each other. And I think I learned a lot from that. Now, obviously, the older I got, um, coaching, I never thought that I was going to go into coaching. It was never a thing where I'm going to be a coach. I never said, I want to be a coach. I want to do this. I want to do that. It was just, I was playing and I was young and the, the longer I played and the higher up I went, I wasn't, I never looked past playing at that point. I would, I would coach for fun. I would volunteer because I enjoyed it. And Because I believe that I had a positive impact on people. I'm not saying that's always the case, but I I, I'd like to think that I would would have positive impact on 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 more people than not. And I enjoyed that. But like I said, I retired young. I retired at 25, and at that point, I'd actually just was just finishing my um, UEFA B license. And from there, that's really when it became more of a passion. It was the closest thing I had to playing because that was obviously quite difficult to take having to retire so young but um, after after I retired after the surgery that I had um, I spent some time at Manchester City with the with the soccer schools with their international academy and just spent a lot of time coaching in different environments in in different countries working with different people working at various levels from I wouldn't say high, but decent level players all the way down to to kids that have probably never kicked a ball in their life. Mm. And I think that in itself is a really, it's a a tough experience because you have to deal with a lot of different things. But it's something that's very beneficial. It's really helped me um, from there, from from being at City and all the other things that I was doing at the time, coaching-wise. I got offered a role in, in Utah, Salt Lake City, um, I'd, I'd spent time in the US previously. Uh, that was 2018 in August. So I took the role. Um, the club that I work for, we we have a club in in Utah. We have we have two places in Utah. We have a club in the UK and a club in Africa in Tanzania. So I've been very fortunate to work in in all three countries, and all three places are so different. So, so different. So I I do, I work with various ages and do a lot of the, I do coach mentoring, the coach recruitment, and it's, it's an enjoyable experience. There's still a lot to learn, um, but I think without my dad, I, I don't think this would have been possible. I mean, I'm going to say it, it would have been possible, but I wouldn't be at the level that I'm at now. I've I think I got a head start over where I would have been if I hadn't have been as fortunate as I have been to to be around my dad and other exceptional people that I've been been fortunate to spend time with. I
0: mean, you know, both of you there, you know, range of experiences in the game, you know, just interesting. Keith, I don't know if you want to go first. I just want to, you know, just interested to find out whether you've had any major influences yourself.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think... I think just the genuine interest in in coaching yes was initially you, that, that was the importance of it. Uh, the experience I had in 1981 over in the States, they got paid hundred dollars for the week, which is I was an apprentice pro at Bolton Wanderers uh, a couple of years prior to that. I was only earning sixteen pound. It was sixteen pound forty five pence per week. I used to have a, an eight pound allowance for travel and food, and we are getting hundred dollars and and it, it just you know I wasn't driven by the money, but obviously it's important now if you're doing something yeah. then you're getting something in return for that and although there was a fiscal amount you know, there was a little bit of money involved it wasn't it was just uh, ad hoc it wasn't a full time job but I enjoyed enjoyed working with players and enjoyed the the contribution the feeling of I was giving something back and whether it be of any value to the players i actually sensed that there was something taking place and i it, it, it was in 1982 i did my prelim and then in 90 so so in in, 90, so in 82 i do the prelim and then i and then there was that question what next and the what next came with doing the full badge so nowadays you've over in England, of course, you'd be f- fully aware, fully aware of the the actual ladder, the system, the coaching qualifications. There are numerous of them nowadays. You're level one, two, all the way to the B license and onwards to the A license and then the the elite coaching award, the level five. Back then, that didn't take place. It was did your prelim and then this big huge step between prelim and then full badge. Uh, so. The The little step in between that, the course, is a bridging course. And uh, it was held in the northwest by a guy, run by a guy called mm. Nick Baird, who has been in my life, was in my life for 35 years. And I met him in 1983 in Blackpool on the Blackpool Easter course, which was this interim, uh, intermediary, not inter, intermediary course between... Full badge, and the prelim, and my light switched on. He walked in. He didn't walk. He glided, and he had such a, a presence and an impact on my life. I straight away I thought, I don't want to be like him, but I do like what he does. And he, and that that influence is, You know, it was it was significant. It was what he was doing. It was how he was doing it. And he's impacted many, many, many hundreds of coaches across the world, not let alone over in the UK and England. So, so Dick was the Dick Baird, uh, You know, he he actually ignited that. He put a little bit more fuel. I already had an interesting coaching, but having Dick as that, if you like, a pathfinder. Uh, you know, people use the word maverick. I don't. I, I don't I don't necessarily believe in the Maverick. I think you've got to be completely off the wall to be Maverick type. He wasn't off the wall. He was very, very PC, very, very uh clinical around his detail, everything around his content, everything around his organization, the way he delivered sessions, the way he provided the support. And and he so so Dick was the one that actually helped me in in, in uh in, in help in this route for where I'm at currently and it's played a, b- a big part in it so there have been many others of course I've been very fortunate to to watch the likes of Don Howe, Daria Grady, and you just travel yes I think if you've got a, a real deep passion and a curiosity to want to learn and to become better at doing what you do you go and seek it you go and look for it and that's the question that you know, many, how can I become a better coach? And in essence, I think what you're going to do, you got going to, nobody's going to come to you, you're going to go and find it. And if you find out the good exemplars and you ask the right questions, then you've got a good opportunity then to, an op, an opportunity or a door may open for you to then go out and, uh, and find out what it is they're doing, now, of course, what they're doing, and then how you then, replicate copy adopt and then adapt it to meet your own needs is obviously it's obviously very very different so the likes of donna working at arsenal and at that point working with england for me who was working at nottingham forest at the time that, that transference of skills that he that i was actually picking up some of the practices weren't relevant to the even to the quality of the players, although I, you know, work with the under 16s and some very talented youngsters in that group, the practices weren't relevant, but it, the content was very yeah. useful. And even though you know the level ones and the technical detail and the and the level twos, you don't necessarily need to use it. I think it's nice that you've got it, if if you require it, and as and when it's one of those is really, where you've got to, you've got to apply the knowledge at the appropriate time, and then there's a. Hopefully, it sticks, and we, we, you know, you'll know yourself. You never really know whether it sticks or not. You just know that something's taking place, and so that that was really how it started for me, and that's how it's, it still continues uh, because the more, the more and more I think I know, the more and more I find out that I don't, and the 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 greatest CPD that. I have undertaken most recently. He's doing what you're doing. He's doing the podcast, and you meet some terrific people. I've never met you, but you know, in the intro, I'm getting a, you know, a, a real good insight as to what you're about as a person. And there's lots of there's lots of people who are very, very good. They're good people. There's Lots of good people about. I think we attach to that, and stick to them, and just glean whatever we can. Uh, from as many people as is possible that that can add value to us that's all we it's like you being a you know you're a tutor for the f a and you'll have people that are under your wing and they'll you're their postman that's really what you are you're a postman of information and whoever you're sending the messages out to they'll pick the messages up and then when they've had enough of you they'll just get they don 't get rid of you they just they need to you we need to add value. And the people that add value have got good post rounds the, the people keep going back to them because there there's always something else that they can help develop the person and so we're, we're, and that's what dick was to me he was he was a postman of information and you know I constantly uh we had you know many years of varied interactions anything anything other than football which was great as well so that actually added more colour to the experience just
0: touching on that you know you talked there about dick bait just curious you know if you if you could and i'm sure it'd be very difficult and i've spoken to many people who've, who've looked up to dick bait as a as almost a mentor and a major influence on their journeys um what will be one of the biggest messages that you or learnings that you've taken from dick bait that you know that just stays with you even till now
2: hmm. I think it'd be very difficult to actually add one. I know in, in 19, uh, sorry, 2017, I was, uh, Dick, uh, he actually directed the uh, AFC Pro Licence course and he asked me to to present and deliver on that particular Mm. course. The one thing that he had was, I never heard him speak badly about man or woman in all my 35 (laughs) years. He was humble. And he just knew what he he knew, you knew he knew, he knew he knew, and he but he didn't need to tell you. you, you there was no, you know, there was no edge. There was no ego. He was <coughs> zero ego. He was just very comfortable in his own presence. I remember whilst uh, it was 2016 on a on a, a previous year's pro license, I walked in. It was a great experience for me it's, we just arrived in South Korea, three days into the course and uh, sorry, three days in Korea and then the first day of the course uh, comes along. We've been doing some practical work in the morning and then Dick walks in in the afternoon. I've got, we got changed, we got showered, it was extremely hot. July in, in South Korea is unbelievably uh, temperatures are intense and the humidity is unbelievable. So everywhere you you only walk twenty yards, you'd be you'd be melting, you'd be sweating. So we've been outside morning, PM. We've got a, a theory session, and I've got showered. I'm I'm, I'm professional in terms of our look, but Dick walked in and he's got a. I'll never forget it. He glided in, Yas with. He's come down these steps. We're in a, we're in a lecture theatre where the, the, the chairs tapered upwards or downwards towards the, the front. And he just glided down. Everybody's looking down. He looked absolutely immense. He he was a... He, he, he just wonderfully presented shirt and ties, immaculate presentation. And there I am with no shirt, no tie on. I've got a nice, you know, I've got some suit pants on and just a shirt, and I just felt underdressed. Uh, he just, he just had quality in every single thing that he did in his life. Uh, from a footballing standpoint, I don't obviously I, I've known him a long, 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 long time. Uh, those were the so to actually answer the question in one, give you, I, it'd be very difficult, yes, but for sure he had quality. He immense presence. He knew what he, he knew what he wanted, and he presented it in such an articulate and concise manner that the information stuck. He had this brilliant ability to teach the game in such a way where you would always come away with something no matter where you were, no matter what you 'd done in the game, even academy managers, our academy manager at the club, uh, sorry, our head of football operations who was Academy manager at Nottingham Forest at the time, and uh, we'd be, he'd done a, a CPD, uh, wherever I can't remember exactly where it was. And every time you come away with information, It was and was a font of content and information. But it's the way he did it, and it just stuck. It sticks, and his his legacy lives on. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's not many people like. You know, my, uh, my good friend, Digby,
0: Dave, I just want to extend that question onto you a little know, You had any major influence on in your top from Your your dad was one of the biggest ones before you. You had any other major influence on in your journey? And if so, what would you say is one of the biggest lessons you took from them?
1: Oh, um, uh, yeah, I, I've been. I think, yeah, because of my dad being who he is and and. and yeah, it's a tough one. He's, my dad's obviously, he's been the biggest influence. And and even though I've lived away from, I lived away from home from eighteen, eighteen, nineteen, 18, 19. And um, even now, obviously, I'm away from home. So in that spell, we speak pretty much every day. So whether it be advice around coaching or dealing with people, what would you do here? How would you deal with that? Um, so Without doubt, without doubt, my dad would be the the, the biggest and the main influence. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at the same time, I also think that there are, that you, you do meet people in your life that it's not to say that they have a, a huge part on your life and, and or they play a huge part in your life, but I also think that there'll be a lot of people that I've met that I've taken something from yeah. that I thought wow that's that was excellent. Or they've done something, or they've the way that they've deli- maybe whether they've delivered a session or the the way that they've dealt with a certain player. Um, there are even for me, I think it's quite important that you get experiences outside of the sport too. I think it's important that that you experience something other than just football. Um, and I've been, I think having mentors around you, I've been quite fortunate. In the past ten years or so, I, I've got mentors that my dad is obviously the biggest one, like we spoke about. But I have mentors that are that are not involved in sports; they're not involved in in football. But the people that I I speak to regularly and just bounce ideas off, just get a bit of advice on, and that that's really really helped me. There's there's uh, one in in particular, who, who has helped me a lot in the past eight years since I met him. It was really a crazy story I met him, but it's a long one, so I don't want to go into it too much. But he's, the guy's, he's 71. He actually, very successful business guy, the business that he was the COO of, he brokered a deal for $200 million. So he's, he's, a, he's a successful guy. He's done very well in his life, but he provides excellent advice and he's someone that I can trust and rely on and I think it's important that you get those people around you. Now, those people aren't, they're not just going to fall in your lap or it's very, very unlikely that they fall in your lap and the, the, you have to go out and look for them. You have to seek them and find people that have had, that have had experiences that have, that have knowledge and, and wisdom in things that could help you. And, and utilise it and, and cling on to him. And George, the guy that I spoke about, he's definitely one of those people. I it's a friendship. He's seventy one, but I, I class him as a friend. And I'm I'm only twenty eight. So um that would have of I don't think that relationship would have never materialized had it not have been for my curiosity. Um, and also there are others the other mentors that I have that I've, I've gone out and I've looked for them. So I couldn't be look like my dad's the main one. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And the one thing that, that I've got from, from my dad, and it comes from really where the book came from too. And what I think we, we live by is, is the Meyer Angelou quote. Um, people may forget what you said, they may forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And and that's something that I I actually sent that quote to my dad in 2011, and that's something that we live by. But spending time around my dad and seeing how he operates with people, with that he lived by that, and that's something that I've took into the way that I deal with people, the way that I coach, mm-hmm. and and how I go about doing it. Brilliant. And I think the
0: key thing that you touched on there, you know, is is that element of having a mental, the mental doesn't have to be industry specific. And I think um, I've had plenty of conversations with people in the past and, you know, especially when it comes to coaching, they think that you have to go to another coach, especially another football coach. You you know, I I always advise and encourage people to go out and watch other coaches in different sports and different industries in that respect, because I do feel there's loads of transferable things that you can take away from um, anyone. Um, it's It's just being more conscious and aware of what it is you're actually looking for, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. Now you guys touched there on obviously the book. You know, you, uh, Keith, you spoke a lot there about Dick Bain. You know, your book was dedicated to Dick Bay. Um Just you know, want to get a bit more detail around how the book came about. Then
2: well, I started to write a book sixteen years ago. Yes, and I couldn't get past the first chapter. It was very difficult to. I was, and it. I never got into any of the content. It was just trying to justify to myself. Did they have the experience, the knowledge, understanding, and equally, did they have the, uh, the 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 actual the actual experience to put together something that would be a in this case, where Goldust now to become a more effective coach has be has become a a number one bestseller and has been for several months on on Amazon uh, in the UK and reached the eddie heights of. Number two in Kindle in the U.S. and number three in book form in the U.S. and apparently in Australia it was number three bestseller. So the the book itself started initially yes in in May of 2019. I'd been on a course in London uh, with David. Uh, he was heading back to the to to the states and I was heading back uh, to the northwest of England, where I live, uh, via train, and it was like, I wouldn't say it was a Eureka moment, I think I'd already had, I'd had a book in my head for a long period of time, but really couldn't put it down, you know, I can't say writer's cramp, it's something where it just needed formalising and putting into some legible format, so I rang David up and I don't want to, didn't want to die, I don't want to die with a book still in my head or a thought or a belief or something that I want to attain and do. And I think for those that are are out there, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It's not just, there's nothing special about it, it's just a matter of really having that drive and a passion to crack on and do things and and work through and become not resilient around it. I think it was just a matter of, I'm very, very fortunate where my best friend is is on the other side of the of the atlantic david's my best friend uh, i've got a, a wonderful wonderful daughter uh and wife but we do speak every single day and david's already mentioned it we uh, there's, there's interactions take place whether it be a little text a phone call or a, a whatsapp but we're always communicating to each other and neither i or david direct, we don't drink so, anyway, I rang David up. I said, look, I'm writing a book. I've had enough. I'm writing a book, and this is how. And it wasn't, are you going to help me? Straight away, the the words out of it is, well, I'll help you. And, and then that was it. So I was very fortunate. I hit the I'd hit the jackpot because all the, all the content was, I can't see it was there. It was just, there is a book. There's lots of information. There's lots of knowledge around it. And I think there's an element of understanding of what it is that uh, I want the book to look like, but I didn't know spec- how it was going to turn out. And Davey was massively instrumental in that. So all I basically did is, if we, if I can, I guess I was a number six as a midfield player. I'd just I'd be a. A defensive midfield player looking after the back four, picking the ball up and then I'd be slinging it there, and everywhere which were the messages to David, I'd just sling messages to him and his receiving skills were great, uh, sometimes they were they were, they were wayward and that was probably because of the, the pass, it was either too hard, it was a bit harsh uh, it wasn't as detailed it was a bit loose and uh well, all he did, is his receiving skills and finishing skills were absolutely outstanding, world-class. So I just gave him information, he ran with it. Hotel Starbucks, near where we live, uh, they made many, 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 many hundreds of pounds where he would be sat, just diluting, putting together, putting things into a legible format. So that's really where it is, uh, Nas. And the book came out on on the 27th of May of 2019, and uh, two days later, 29th of May, it it was a number one bestseller, which was just knocked the socks off everything, which was, which is great. So, the one thing that we, uh, you know, that I feel very, 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 very privileged in, and. I'm proud. He's having he's having David by my side because I couldn't have, I couldn't, and I wouldn't want to have anybody else other than David. He uh, he's brilliant. He's outstanding. He's bright. He's all. I think the important thing for anybody out there is if you just hang around with people who are clever. Yeah. That's all. And all I do is just I've done exactly Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Yeah. And you know the the book it you know
0: how it's gold us how to become a more effective coach. Uh, quickly, shall I add? Um, it delves into a range of things, you know, in terms of managing the environment, setting an environment, uh, just looking at how to maybe develop and build on the athlete performance and, and, and whatnot. What would you say are some of the key things that kind of tie into that? Industry? Where are your Maybe having spent a lot of time with your dad, Claudia, you know, you've, really got
1: you've got a massive influence on you. Is there any
0: yeah. differences in terms of the way you guys see things or is it very much interlinked and congruent with one another?
1: I'd, I'd say it's very interlinked. Now, it's not to say that we'll, <clears throat> that we'll necessarily agree with everything that we both do, um, but it, it is interlinked. We share the same beliefs around... Why we do what we do, um, we believe that it's not just athletes or players it's people in your environment so if new coaches come in, you've also got to make them feel comfortable too and I think that's where it lies and in in anything that you do, whether it be business whether it be sports if some if you make somebody feel comfortable in the environment, you're more likely to get more out of them. Now, people come in and, and if they don't enjoy being where they're at and it, it's not a nice environment, you're not going to get as much out of them. And, and that was where they were the, the beliefs that we have. Um, my dad mentioned the course that that we went on right before we decided about the book. And, as as coaches, we're in a really privileged position to positively impact people's lives, whether it be grassroots, where you're working with five and six year olds, or whether it be professional athletes. Either way, you you still have you have a really good opportunity to positively influence people, and you can do it in in a in a vast a lot of different ways, but One of the big things that came from the book that me and my dad share very closely is the language that you use, how you use it and how that impacts the people that you work with. So the way and and it's how the brain works, Um, your brain is wired in certain ways and you can say things to impact how people think about something. And we wanted to get this out in, in the book in... The most simple way possible, where it was it was readable and that people could understand it. So we made we put story we we have stories and experiences that we've had, and we also got stories and experiences from other people that are world class in the in their own individual field, from ex Premier League managers to um, very successful. One of the ways actually the most if not one of the most successful rugby league coaches in the history of, of the sport in the UK is an Australian guy, who's now back in the NRL, um, we have top youth coaches and the, the similarity, we asked them all the same question, the similarity between us all was we had very similar thoughts and ideas around what, it, what, what we believe is right for the people that we work with, for the players and for the athletes. And for us, it was then putting that, like I said, into a written format where people could read it. But it's, um, it was a really, really it was a great journey. And for me, one of the best learning experiences I've had, uh, if not the best. And, and I look back on it and see how much I've improved as a coach and as a person since writing the book. Because I now feel like I'm able to provide more value for people, to to actually help them in their lives, whether it be the players that I work with or whether it be the coaches that I mentor to. Definitely, and I
0: think um, you know, one day, and I plan on following in you in. I guess in your footsteps in that respect, and you know, putting some content together that does have that much value. You know, to for you guys, and just, I just want to really say congratulations again. You know, for. You know completing that and obviously achieving that status of number one bestseller on amazon over over recent months in particular um you know i just want to kind of build a bit deeper today, you know, what your thoughts and your uh perspectives on it. one key question then to each of you uh the key if you want to start us off with, what, for yourself what do you define as an effective coach
2: clarity I think you need to have lots of clarity about what it is your intentions are, and no matter what level, I think if you don't have the clarity of what it is you're intending to do, you never you never know whether you've landed or not. So it's important to to have some transparency around the outcome. I think if you if that's uppermost, the planning obviously is massively important around that. But unless you know what it is you're intending to do, it's like setting off. Yes. And you, uh, you know, you just want to set off in your in your little ocean liner, and you're aware, and, but yet you don't have you don't have any intention. You don't know where you're going. Then now you know you're going to arrive. You're just going to get somewhere. So I think you're going to have clarity about your wh- where you want to be in whatever session. Now, of course, that can come in its varying guises, can't it, in terms of practice design? But I think that's important. So unless you have the clarity around things you know even that I think there's that many different types of practice designs nowadays but ultimately uh, if you got if there's that pragmatic approach around you know, you're you working with an under 10s and you want them to play like Barcelona but you're not playing on those type of pitches and neither are the players like that then I don't think that's helpful in, in all uh, in all honesty I think the development uh, you're gonna know and understand who you're working with and you've got to understand the development part of it and that comes in a cycle there's a cycle of how we develop its stages there's layers Where uh, initially coaches are uh, are young up and coming coaches you know they aspire to become academy managers working in academy working at the ice levels and, and I, I I love that I think it's brilliant uh, but there are there are things that need to there's pain thresholds that, that need to be bro- broken down and, and most of that comes through you know what you don't do right it's actually reflecting upon what didn't work and then adopting, and adapting good practice finding good good students and good people who can help you en route but I think ultimately if you don't have the clarity about what your intentions are it's going to be a rocky road
0: definitely and i think you know it's one of the key things you know that again your book does mention around setting that environment i think a lot of that is down to understanding the individuals that uh, within it and i guess the i guess the environment in terms of if you touch there you know you might want your team to play that bathroom but your players aren't playing on pitches and in the same settings as bathrooms how could we expect that to occur um so it's you know really about like developing that tailored and i guess yeah, tailored approach to the group that you're working with, or the individual you're working with at that given time. Um, you know, so i are interested to you know to get get your thoughts, David. Then, um, how do we go about setting that environment? What are that coaches should be considering when they're looking to uh, prepare that optimal environment for you know, <coughs> talent development
1: in that respect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first thing is, I, I know there's. People talk about player-led environments. Um, for me, it's it should it should always start with the coach. So it it is a coach-led environment. You want the players to have autonomy and 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 to get them to that point, it has to come from the coach. Mm-hmm. You can't just turn up and let the players have their environment and it's the player-led environment. Really, that comes from the coach. And I think the first thing, and it's something that. That we're big on, and we talk about it in the book, uh, and and some of the other coaches in the book talk about it too. Is coaching energy, and the way that you approach your session. Now, if we were to, if I had a session today, and I rock up to the session with my phone in my hand, and I'm sulking because I've just had a fight with the dog, and I'm I'm downbeat, I'm very mundane in the way that I say things, I'm very flat, then the chances are very high that the, the players will drive off that energy. Mm. So I can, act, if I, I can act that way. If I come in and say, right, and I, want us, and I want us to be energetic, but I'm acting like that and I tell the players I want energy, they may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. And my attitude doesn't project energy and enthusiasm. Now, if you want energy and, and enthusiasm, regardless of what age you're working with, that is driven by you as the coach, first and foremost. So, when I get onto the field, it is—I—I I, I love it. I can't wait. I'm in. I'm ready. I'm—I'm I'm lively. Um, it is something that I took from one of the coaches, when one of the, the rugby coach actually. When I get in the sessions, I'm set up and I'm ready before players arrive. But when they arrive, I'm involved. Whether they're doing uh, whether they're striking balls, whether they're doing rondos, I'll jump in. I'll jump in with them, and I drive the session a little bit from the start. Now, once you've got that, once you've got that little bit, and the players are consistent with it, it may then be more player led, because the players now know what to know what is expected of them, and they may be able to to bring it every session, but. It does start with the coach. I think that's the that's the main thing. So, coaching energy is is massive, and that goes in in how you act, how you project yourself. Um, the other one is we there is, and I think it's become a lot more prevalent now of how you make people feel. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff online. There's a lot of really good stuff online that talk about this environment where we've got to make it good for the players or good for the athletes, good for the people that you're working with. And what we wanted to dive into with this book is, well, how do you do that? Because people, as coaches, I don't know a coach that has bad intentions that goes out and purposely wants to ruin a session and ruin a, a kid's a kid's day or ruin a player's day. I've never met a coach that wants to do that, but I think it it, it does take place. Um, when people say things or act in certain ways, not knowing what effect it 's actually having on people, so I think being really aware of of what you say and how you say it is is important and and especially with if we talk about younger kids in particular um, when people make mistakes, they know they 've made a mistake, and for us we I think it's about the process. So if you if you give if a kid gives the ball away, I can stand on the sideline with good intentions but shout, Why are you giving the ball away? Mm. What what have you done that for? Well it's not helping. That that's not helping the kid. You're actually amplifying something that they already know that they've done. They know they've given the ball away. Mm. My job as the coach is to find find the reasons why. Yeah. What what reasons were there behind than maybe misplacing a pass so and and i I would break it down with with something like that is there are normally three reasons why or one of three reasons, maybe more than one as to why something hasn 't been successful are uh, they technically technically they might not be efficient enough in that moment they might not be able to hit a ball twenty yards, and that 's why it didn 't get there. Um, the decision making might not be at the level where it needed to be to execute the pass or Athletically, they might not; they might not be strong enough. And it's all well and good me sitting there saying, "Stop giving the ball away," but really, that as as a coach, and, and I think as coaches, we are teachers. Our job is to teach people, and to help them to become better at what it is they do. Um, but you have to be really mindful and really aware of the language that you use and the things that you say to people, and that is something that I think we we aimed to get out in the book. I think we got we got some of that out in the book and it has been great. We've had feedback come back from coaches where they've said that they've they realised afterwards that maybe they didn't know fully what they were doing and it was only after reading the book and going and, and and reflecting that they've now made positive changes to help the athletes that they work with too.
0: And I think, you know, just something you touch on there within that is that element of awareness. Um, I think a lot of coaches, and you know, you talk, you talk there about coaches not necessarily having bad intentions, because you know, and I say the same with parents. In fact, a lot of parents mm-hmm. come to you know support their their ch- their children or uh, players or family members even come along to support their you know in, in, their their players and whatnot within their journeys, and sometimes they may be unconscious of some of the behaviour that they're carrying out. Um or just could make, in some cases not educated enough, mm-hmm. so I guess from that perspective, what would you suggest as some strategies and you know this this is just this be extended to you as well Keith if you if you want to feel free to jump in around what coaches could be doing to become more self aware in those moments and I want to just take you back a little bit as well in terms of that whole coach led and player led element. I think a lot of coaches certainly from my experience in in having discussions get can get easily confused between a player-led and a player-centred environment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that player-led can very easily be uh, perceived as, you know, that phrase of let the game be the teacher, let the, let the players go out and enjoy themselves and that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sceptical about that aspect of things myself. Just, you know, there's two parts to that. You know, first of all, what would those strategies be that potentially could do to maybe um, do some self reflection and evaluation? And it could potentially extend to parents. And would you mind just talking to a little bit in terms of how you would differentiate the player led and player centered environments in that respect?
1: Yeah, yeah, good good questions again, though, Yaz. Yes. Um, I think, and this again, this was a learning experience for myself during during the writing of the book and since it came out, that it's player-centred and I think it should be player-centred because you are tailoring what you do around the players. So when, when you're working on certain things, the way you act with your players, you're doing it because you believe it's right for them. Mm. And it has to be... It has to be centered around what is best for the group, or group and individuals at that moment. Um, now, with player led, I, I'm not going to say that it should never be player led because players need the accountability. They need. I think it's a great tool and it's it's a great way for players to grow by giving the responsibility. A responsibility could be something as simple as getting the equipment in after the session. Um now in higher the higher up you go and you're in high end sports, I think it's it's player led could be around the culture. And we had on our on the podcast that we have, we had um Gareth Ainsworth and Richard Dobson that have created a culture at Wick and Wanderers where the environment is player led. But it's it is also it's also because of the culture that was created by the coaches, by the staff that they have. Because you you can't I don't think you can go into an environment and just let it be player led. You have to you have to create what it is you want first. And you have to get the personnel in and, and that's what I know at Wickham that's what they did. They have the generals. And there's there's four or five players that that now have a a really strong hold on the culture at the club and they can lead they, they lead the dressing room so so I would I would say that is a a player led environment um, so I, I'll let my dad touch on the other part of the question as to how coaches can be be more aware and and, and I think reflect on what they can do to improve as well
2: yeah I think the just to endorse you know, some of the stuff that's already in a great question, by the way, yes. I think the the player centred, player led situation is been misconstrued and it's it's collaborated and built into something that just creates uh, can create a mess and and chaos, which I think chaos for learning is that's it's it's important. But it's understanding what that chaos needs to look like, or it needs to look like, as long as it's controlled. So I do agree in uh, massively around the player-centred stuff because if you're doing that and you're doing it for any other reason, then what is it? You need to you need to really look yourself in the mirror a little bit. From but from a coaching perspective, you know we can <coughs> we can covertly or overtly invite players in too the 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 practice itself so it looks like it's player led but in actual fact it's been influenced massively by <coughs> questions that we're posing can you identify can you observe and you're you're bringing there out in a bespoke and individual uh, manner uh, so that you know the the players are a part of this the, the part of the Stakeholder family, they're the part of the session. They're not in the session. They're part of it. They're they're contributing immensely to both their own learning, and they're helping others to learn as well. It's it, it's it's like a. I guess it's like having a a fire. You know, you you set you you, you light a fire in a forest, and it's quite and it gets blazing because there's some intention, there's some excitement, there's some energy, there's a there's a purpose, there's a direction there's a title to the session. And what happens by inviting and igniting this passion from inside the players, there's a fire that starts to sound. So, player-led stuff is, it's important that, you know, that David had mentioned it earlier, I'm not a lover of player-led stuff. Player-led's important, player-centered, more important and having a, and setting the outcome and setting the environment is a, is a is a big part. Of it because you can't set the environment to you know which players you play with or you're working with, younger ages, older ages. We all require something different. So, when it comes round to, <coughs> to, uh, to 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 the specific, then again, I think the the weather can change things. If if it's extremely warm then there's more breaks if there's more breaks there's obviously likely to be more interactions and in that those interactions do you bring in the old group or do you just speak to one or two other players who might be the they might be the the peer group leaders you they, they, they show by example or they can actually articulate it and share it with the group so you're getting a more of a social construction uh, situation taking place or do you, do you speak to the old group of which some will listen, but unless it's directed to you personally, are you going to pick it up? And I dare say some will, most won't. So dropping little seeds of information, whether you write something down, give you a little note, yes, go off. Now what I want you to do is go and share that now with the group and they become, they become, so now that's player-led. So now it's as though they're, they're taking their responsibility for the learning, but you're actually giving them some some something where there's an action at the end of it, and it makes them feel significant. It makes them feel, you know, as though they're, they're, there's a contribution to the group. So that's important. The uh, You mentioned things around, you mentioned something around the parents as well, and how can we, I think that's important that if you're doing some type of intervention, and every time that we talk to players, it, it's an intervention. And there are a variety of different methods, different processes how you do it. But where you do that, you know, there's times where I would take the, i actually do that stuff near the parents. So if I'm actually talking to the players, either a debrief or what we're going to be doing, or giving them an intention, then I'll take them to the, I'll take them to the parents. I'll bring them covertly, They'll go and get the drink. Come on over here. The parents don't know it, but I know they're listening or I know they whether they're actively listening but I know some will want to know what's going on so you can do that in an indirect way where you're actually uh, you're incorporating the 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 holistic learning process where you you're bringing in parents but yet they don't know it but you're sharing the content and information to uh, in front of again another major stakeholder so the the magic doesn't lie in doing what we do the, 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 and that's what the book is about it's not, the what is a practice the magic lies in you how you do the practice and it, the simplicity of it all is the genius and all that we've intended to do we just share strategies that that work not just in football but in other sports in across businesses these are not new, we've just brought them to an awareness, that's all and you know, it's just, a, it's just another element of the game where we can use the word communication. It's a huge, huge word. But in actual fact, there are, you know, if we started to focus in on a specific theme of the game, say finishing, volleys specifically, then all we do, we're just focusing on volleys. That's what we do. But we know that there's a pass. We know there's going to be a pass at a point. We know that there's gonna be a contact we also know there's going to be a goalkeeper and goals. We know, but we're focusing in, in. we're focused in on a specific element of development. But I do like the, uh, you know, the player-led, player-centered stuff is is a massively misconstrued aspect of the game. And I think it's such a wonderful question that you posed, and it just invites, uh, you know, a, a different a different belief and they are that's all they are. We're just sharing a belief that we I particularly you know I'm passionate about and how we treat people in in a way but you've got to have you've got we've got to understand where the ground rules are because if if the inmates are allowed to run the asylum we're gonna have some problems and I think in when we start to look at player led stuff or player centred, player led tends to lead us down a slightly different path of which you then start to have so many constraints, the coaches are stressed out, can't control the group because they've actually, they've not, not put a choker on it but they've actually not put framework around the thing, that's why we have a game of football, if they were it's a game without any rules then they can go anywhere they wish and, and so all we're doing is just putting some frames around it, putting a rule around it, putting some lines around it and if you get into the, onto the pitch and then we get in the 18-yard box, that's another constraint. If you get in the six-yard box, that's what, what work is spent in and around the six-yard box. And that's really all the book's Definitely. about. Definitely. And
0: I think one key thing that kind of, you know, it just resonates with me a little bit is a conversation I had recently with a national basketball coach. And he, he said something that made me really think, do you know what, actually that's spot on. He said to me, we're the coach and we're meant to help the players, but they're the experts. They're the experts. We need to we need to come to their environment. We're we going to their environment to understand from their perspective of the game and how they view it. And then, within that, it's only by doing that we can truly make it player centered as well.
2: The, um, the, 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 I, exactly. And I, I, I think I, I agree partly with that. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with it. By the way, I think it does depend on what's out there, but. The information's on the outside of us every time that we deliver certain things, and I think we're more tuned in, in addition to, because if we watch something, yes, we're going to miss something else. We're going to miss it. But it's definitely something where the information is out there, all we're going to be is more tuned in, uh, and tuned in to our sensory acuity. Uh, and the information, they've already got it. All we've got to do is draw it out Definitely. from them and just help them on their path. Definitely, I
0: totally agree with that. So I guess, you know, the, the, the question is then: how do we do it? How do we become more effective coaches? You know, what are the steps that we need to be taking? and it, How do we identify whether it's working or not? I think that's got the strategy mm. for that?
1: Yeah, I think that the first thing in, in regards to knowing whether you've hit the jackpot or whether you're having success. Um, The key key indicator of is the change in behaviour that you see. So if if you want, uh, and we can, as a really simple example, um, if you go into an environment and you want, after the session, you want players to make sure all the bottles are picked up, because when you first get there, they don't do it. The indicator of success for me would be that three or four weeks down the line, they're doing it without me actually telling them. Um, so I think in terms of of knowing knowing whether you've got through is that's the key indicator is the change in behaviour that you see from from your players. Now, in terms of in terms of going about doing it, um, look there are there are lots of different Different things that we could touch on. Um, I think when when we and, and for those that are listening, I, I guess I'll have to endorse it. Um, there'll be things in the book that you'll see that we've we've not touched on today. There'll be a lot in the book that you've not that that you'll see that we haven't touched on today. Um, but I think that the big one is um, having. You obviously have to have the. Player centered approach with is the athlete's interest is is first and foremost, so you've, you've got to curve for them um, now. In terms of the language that you use, the way that you address people, how you say things, when you say them, um, something as, as simple as uh, and it being consistent. I think is, is very, very important. So we do talk about it in the book. Most athletes, they want to know three things. Um, the, do you care for me? So they want to know that you care for them. And how do you show that you care for them? Well, doing that little bit extra. Can you can you find out a little bit of extra information about them that doesn't revolve around just them at football? So it, it might be that one of the players and they love the dog, And you refer back to the dog and you ask how the dogs doing when you see them or you find out what other interests they have, whether they like another sport or what the favourite subject is in school. Um, Because people like to talk about themselves and people also want to know that you have their interest at heart. So that's a good way to show that you care about them. Um, Another way is, or one of the other requirements really that players require is most of them want to know that you can help them or that you can teach them. So there has to be an understanding around the game or around whatever it is that you're doing, that you can actually teach them and you can help them. And then the other one is they want to know that they can trust you. Players want to know that, that, that they can trust and, and rely on you. So with trust, I think there's a huge level of consistency. So what you say and what you do has to be aligned because if I say I'll never, Yaz, you give the ball away, don't worry. I'll never say anything if you give the ball away and make a mistake. And then you give the ball away and I start screaming and shouting at you. Level of consistency is gone because I'm not doing what I say and I'm not saying what I do. Um, so that's one, and I, and I think you have to be reliable. So when you say you're going to do something, I'll, whether it be I'll, I'm going to call you at five o'clock, or I'll be at the session and I'll be there ready to start at 6.30, set up, and you've got to be reliable. People have to be able to rely on you. So I think those three things are very important. Now, players, there are other things that they will want, but they are three of of, of the big things that I think are very important in building the relationships with the players and, and showing that you actually care about, about what it is you're doing to help them. Definitely, and kind of just to build on that. Then, Keith, what would you
0: say are some strategies and ways that coaches can go about optimizing the environment for that relationship to be built further, um, and then obviously to develop on the football side of things or the actual content, the technical aspect of things?
2: Yeah, uh, can I it. share an example with you? So, some years ago, I'm working with a player and. We played. He's he's a, a wonderful young player. He scored a fantastic goal where he's volleyed it. He started the he started it from the goalkeeper. Uh, sorry, he's received it from one of the fullbacks. He's he's gone past his immediate uh, opponent and then he's played a ball. And the younger players tend to get magnetised to the ball. They actually go to it. So he's only young, so which was a, a unique experience of so watching this because it's only out in the event, in the moment you don't actually see it. But when you actually see it on video, you think, "Crikey, this was extremely special." So young players pass and then they, they actually they want the pat, they want the ball back, or they'll go and get closer to the ball. This lad didn't. He's playing the ball out to his left-sided midfield player, and then he's he's run he's run ahead of the ball, and he he's at pace. The left sided player has gone past his right opponent, and then he's he's put a ball in the in the box. And the, this young lad has gone and volleyed it, and he's volleyed it on the full, and he's volleyed it top right hand co- top right hand corner. The, it was a wonderful goal. It's at the par. It's at the post. The parents, all the spectators that saw it, just applauded. It was that special. We get back to the dressing room and. I I couldn't leave it there. I looked toward at that point I looked towards the physio who was standing with me at the time. I said like Really? Is that I said have I just seen that? Uh and he just nodded in acknowledgement and Yep. He said he Yep, he definitely did what you saw. Uh very unique. We get back in the dressing room and I, I couldn't let that slide. And what I did is uh I asked the young lad, I said, Is you, who's brought you today? Is your mum and dad about no, my, my, my dad's working, uh, but my mum's mom, here. I said, okay, uh, right, when you get dressed and changed and you go outside, can you just ask your mum that I'd like to see you, please? You don't have to come inside, I'll come outside to her. And so I just found an appropriate area. We were outside, found an appropriate spot, so we're still in public, but not in earshot of anybody else. And this young lad, all I did with him at that point was I thanked him. He's, uh, he was nine years of age and I thanked him. I'm looking him in the eye and I'm pointing. I said, I've got to thank you for sharing such a wonderful gift today. And I genuinely meant it. I'm thanking a young boy. You know, I could, I'm only up his granddad, And, but I did hear, and I know that in earshot was his mum. Although I weren't directing it <coughs> to his mum, I knew someone else was listening to the information that was taking place and and that relationship takes it somewhere else as a consequence to that his dad rang me later in the evening thanks very much and i wasn't doing it for that yes i didn't do it for any gratification david shared with you the three things players want to know that you care and i genuinely did and do they want to know that they can learn from you that's the other thing and they want to know that uh, that that they you know they can trust you and that can so consistency but taking it to a different level on a on a you know from a an experiential perspective is actually sharing something <laughs> with someone that was genuine the relationship goes somewhere else and it did do and does he now knows that you know his his parents are fully aware that my interests are are his interests and and that and that was from that you know, I'd find out a little bit more around his own work. What do you do? What have you done today? What have you been doing in school? All those type of things. But genuinely listening, listening with an intent to want to listen to them rather than actually it's it's just periphery. It's it's small talk. It isn't small talk. When young boys want to talk, They you know, they're going to talk about, you know, what they do, <laughs> they're not going to start having a big conversation about going out for a drink on a Saturday night. You know, what they've been doing in school, what we've been, it'll be very short and brief. <clears throat> so those short and brief conversations, that interaction that we have, we're going to pay attention to them and register, remember them, and then regurgitate the information that they, that we get from them. And so all I did is, uh, it, this young boy liked, he'd done history in... in <laughs> In general, they like, you ask young lads what they want to do or what they like most, it's P.E. Uh, unrightly so. Uh, but this lad liked P.E. But in this particular day, he'd been doing history and he'd been doing something about King Edward V. And, I, and I'm not very studious. I'm not uh, academic at all. I'm just very curious around how how we can help develop players and where it goes. And we never really know, we never truly know where where the learning's going to take place. Because it, it's... a uh, it's it's never a finished script that is never a finished script we think we have finished something we think we've picked something up we think they've learned something it's never it's never a completed script what we're going to do is we, we, we we've got to ensure that there's learning taking place uh, and the learning takes place organically and it's what fits best it's not what fits last week it's what fits best for the moment because what worked last week might not work this week, so it's been flexible. Being flexible in 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 how we operate as facilitators, mentors, teachers, coaches, and so I asked him about King Edward the First. He tells me all about it. Uh, but all I wanted to do is, look, I know very little about it, and I was genuinely honest about it, being humble and being. Look, I, I, know, I don't know anything about King Edward can, can you write something down for me? Any anyway, the following session he did, he'd printed it out, but he'd highlighted King Edward the Faith, how many wives, what had happened to him. And all I did, I still have it. I keep it. Or I kept, I kept it. I still have it. But I used it again in front of the group, which, you know, I'd shared with the group, uh, you know, what I'd, what I'd learned from this experience, what had been picked up. And I don't know what that young lad. I have no idea what what, uh, what he felt around me sharing it, other than he just shared from my perspective. I was listening to him. I genuinely mm-hmm. wanted to know more about him. Uh, <clears throat> now, it might seem trivial, but what he'd had done, he it taken, the, he'd taken a, a footballing relationship to a, an education relationship. And all we're doing is, as I said to you, it, it's, it's a never ending script. All we do is just make sure that we're. You know we're very tuned in to what's happening, and then what works this week, we might have to change it next week. But having flexibility, it's the law. There's something called the law of requisite variety, and the law of requisite variety is any man or woman uh, that has uh, the widest available options uh, available to us in any system. Will be able to control. Will be able to control that system, so it's having more options available to us. And all we're doing is stocking up. That's all. Learning on learning. Really,
0: one key thing you touch on there is that that conscious and deliberate intent around actually wanting to understand and listen to that player. Now, I've spoken to a lot of coaches in the past about similar things, and you know, some of them may. Show signs that you know they're not genuinely interested. What would you advise those coaches, or maybe how to go about developing? Or is it a case that maybe identifying something other that about that player that you, as a coach, may be curious about?
1: Yeah, I think it, it's an interesting one. So for me, he has, and if if you're not genuinely interested, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. And and the reason is is because it's not genuine. You're not doing it for the right reasons. And at that point, I would question whether whether you're actually truly doing, whether you're coaching for the right reasons. Because at the end of the day, we're doing it because we enjoy it. And that's, I think, as coaches, we have to enjoy what we're doing but we all we're also doing it because we're impacting people's lives. So sure. if somebody doesn't have a genuine interest in in doing that extra little bit to make it an even better experience for you and for the players I wouldn't do it. Um I don't think that it's not something that can be forced. Now I think I think with that being said I think there's a difference between between it not being genuine and and I think not being aware of it, because I think we're in a place now, like I said, where this is becoming bigger. About coaches talking about needing to know more about players, about digging deeper. Um, so I, I think there, in the past, or there may have previously been times where people, coaches, maybe just they weren't doing it because they wasn't they weren't aware of the impact it could have on people, whereas now. Because they're becoming more aware, they're actually they're actually doing it and and delving deeper. Um, and when you realise the impact that it can have, that's when you jump in and and do what you can, do what you can. But if it's if it's not genuine, I I, I think it's very very difficult. And we also touch on in the book about about being genuine in what you do. Um, I know I know that we, we talk about a story with with Darren Moore who is now at Doncaster Rovers but was at West Brom and he, he would constantly he used that word a lot genuine it has to be genuine you have to be authentic you have to be yourself but you have to also be genuine and whether that be when you meet the, the story about Darren Moore when we first met him I met. I first met, my dad had known Darren, but when I first met him, I felt like I'd known him for years. And he wasn't putting on an act to try and seem very personal. personable. That's just how he was. He was just genuine, warm, uh, very welcoming, and, and wanted to make me feel comfortable. And the interesting thing he has with, with Darren Moore is, I, I don't even know if... Uh, I don't think he he was aware of how comfortable he made people feel until he was probably told about it. And I think that's an incredible trait to have. But it was a, he was very genuine and I think as coaches we have to be genuine. Um but like I said, you have to be authentic, you have to be yourself. Bring your personality to the table, but do it in the right manner.
0: Definitely. You know, just curious now, as you know, as we start to wind down now, obviously you know, there's a lot of content within the book and you know, so you've come up, you know, you just talked about some strategies and things to consider when we are getting out there, I guess, with our players and in, within different environments. I'm sure you guys have, I'm sure, and I'm sure everyone has them. I would be interested to know maybe what some of your bugbears are when it comes to coaching and, you know, some of the, I guess, potentially outrageous or outlandish things that you've seen, that you think, well, we need to, we could be, you know, we can't be doing those
1: Oh, <laughs> Go that's on, a David. tough one um, oh, a, a different culture in the US it, has, it is a different culture Um but we do see it in the UK especially in when you get to higher end sports it's about higher end it's about winning so in professional sports it's winning you have to win you don't win you lose your job but it's not the same in youth sports in academies, academies will be different. Uh, winning is important, but in, in academies, the it's very tailored around development. Now, I've had experiences over here, and I've also had experiences in the UK where coaches will do whatever they can, whatever they can to win. And if that means that little Johnny doesn't play any minutes at all because he may be the weakest player in the group, then he's not playing um, I actually had an experience in in February just gone where we played in a tournament now look when you go to tournaments you want to win I'm a com- I'm a competitor I was a competitor when I played and uh, in any whenever I, if we play board games I want to win so when when we play games I think it is important that you want to win and I think it's important that that children learn that winning is an important thing now the definition of winning can be different for everybody because a win could be a kid that that previously may have never been a, he's never made a, a successful pass in his life if he makes a successful pass that's a win for me and i will i will make sure that, that kid knows that he's won in that that particular occasion in what he's done so winning is important now we were in a tournament and we went I wanted to win the tournament i 'll not beat around the bush with that, but i wouldn't do it at the expense of of the players on my team i wouldn 't do it at the expense of ruining somebody else's day on the other team and there were <laughs> one of our there was a little scuffle went on it was it was nothing i mean it was a little bit of nothing they've jumped up they've a little bit of looking at each other and a push and the opposition coaches actually they were irate these were thirteen year old boys irate on the sideline screaming screaming for a red card. Now the ref was influenced by it was a young referee he was influenced by and he sent the player off. Now this player, it was the first twenty minutes in into the game. He actually had to miss the whole game of that game and the whole of the next game. So in the moment the coaches have screamed and shout, red card, send him off, that's a disgrace um, for me, I, I have to address that because even though even though I think it's important that we we have to set very good examples, when coaches aren't, I think that also there's times where that has to be addressed and I, I did have to speak to the coaches about it because I think they've, they've I'm not, not going to say they've purposefully ruined this kid's day, I don't think they even know that they'll have done it because they're just caring about winning but they ruin the kids day and they actually ruin the game for for 13 year olds and i think that the biggest that that would be the biggest thing for me is coaches that go out solely to win you see it under nine you might see it on twitter i've seen it on twitter where you'll have coaches under nines talking about how they're going to beat everybody this season <laughs> it's not it's not what it's about it's not what it's about it's important to win of course it is but the kids aren't going to remember that in 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 ten years' time, they're not going to look back and say, "Remember when we lost that game four-one?" No, they're not. They're not in. They're not. It's not that deep, and that yeah, that would be it for me. That's the biggest thing. It's it's actually who are we doing it for? You get coaches that are doing it for their own egos. You're again, it, it, you're in it for the wrong game. It's not about you. In, in, in youth sports, it's certainly not about you because you're in a position where you are impacting so many lives and the last thing you want to do is go in and negatively impact a kid's life which may actually influence what they do with the sport, whether they stop or whether they just they, they fall out of love with it. That's not what we want.
0: Definitely. Keith, I'd just like to extend that question to you as well. Mm.
2: Like my, I have a bug burr about my, my own learning. I don't particularly have any bug burrs other than what David's already mentioned in addition to those. There's nothing that I could add. Uh, he's expired most of those things. The Where I work, uh, you know, we tend to have lots of uh, very professional people who have follow protocol and I just think' cause there's always more than one way in getting from a to b there's not always one way it's A way. uh i don't have a i don't have sure. a specific bug burr. I think it's one of those things if I had one bug bur it'd be it'd be it be my own and I look myself in the mirror because it's only me that I can control rather than actually try to influence someone else although I do Definitely. feel that we do influence and always influence i just, just look at myself and things are my bug burrs is I need to uh I need to become better. There's so many things sure. that I need to learn. And so just things a that I've to missed. build on
0: that, then you're talking about, you know, um, we're always influencing and you always want to learn. I guess, you know, this is be to extend to you as well, Dave. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I gave you 60 you know, seconds, kind of, I of one golden nugget for our listeners to kind of take away and maybe think about buying. What would that be?
2: Oh, yeah. The gold nugget. Um, yeah, that's a, one from both of you. To be fair, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think we need to listen purely and explore deeply.
0: Simple, yeah, in a nutshell. How about yeah. you?
1: Dan? Yeah, mm. I think that that that's a massive one. I think, poor. Oh, on top of that, you've got to want to continue growing and continue learning. And, and continue reflecting on, on what it is you do. Um, do what you can, until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. And I, and I think that runs true across, across everything that you do. When you, when you find different ways and better ways to to influence, utilize it and use them, and, and use the people around you, and find people that that you can learn and grow from as well.
0: Now guys, you know, it's been a really interesting conversation for me so far and I'm sure it will be for the listeners too. So, you know, just as we start to wind down, I just wonder if there's any way in particular that listeners could get in touch with you guys if they had any questions or wanted to reach out to you in particular.
1: Yeah, we're um, we're both on Twitter. Um, my dad's on his, I think he's on his fourth or fifth Twitter account now. Okay. So, so he's, I don't, yeah, I think he kept misplacing his password. But since the book came out, he actually... Um, he actually has his Twitter so my dad's uh, social media handle is Keith Mayer five uh, mine my Twitter handle is is DJ Mayer three uh, and then we have a we do have a Twitter for our for the podcast and, and other information on there which is feel free to uh, share as well that's yeah we I will we will, we will do that that one is um, gold dust podcast um, and we're, we're we're accessible i love meeting new people i love meeting interesting people um, this conversation yes wouldn't have happened if if you hadn't have reached out to me um and i'm really pleased that you did you reached out to me on linkedin and and i am happy to engage with people and chat and learn from them too so we're we're both accessible um and happy to to chat and to help people in any way that we can
0: well there you have it guys you've been listening to another edition of the coaches network how to series where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests break down some actionable how to steps for you to reach your full potential now i've got no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have but i just want to say thanks again guys you know your support is massively appreciated so thanks again for everyone that's been tuning in and please do get in touch with us and today's guest to let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts your views and your key takeaways from today's show along with any suggestions for guests you'd like to see on the show and any topics you'd like to hear discussed ultimately guys the show is about you guys so let us know what you're interested in who you're interested in listening from so get and get in touch and on that note guys you can get in touch on instagram at the coaches network or on twitter at the coaches net but please do not forget to use the hashtag the coaches network that was the hashtag the coaches network we need as much support we can get to keep this great content coming out to you Now, lastly, guys, I just want to say keep an eye out for our socials on the latest updates and announcement for upcoming guests and discussion topics with our panel. Until next time, guys, take care and have a great day. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together.